morning, everyone. Happy International Holy Spirit Day, or as we like to call it in the church, Pentecost. Who or what is the Holy Spirit? I think there is a lot of confusion around this person of the Holy Trinity. Uh, I think that if there is a red-headed stepchild, so to speak, of the Holy Trinity, it is the Holy Spirit. We put him on the back burner sometimes and forget about his role in our lives. And I think one of the reasons for that is that uh, we can find the Holy Spirit intimidating or confusing or maybe inconvenient. Listen to what uh, one blogger honestly writes who was uh, raised in the charismatic tradition. He says this, as a child, I never much liked the Holy Spirit because he would descend often upon our church at the most inopportune moments. I liked church, but I loved football. And the Spirit's descent meant that our rather long service would extend for an extra half hour or so. This extra time meant I would miss the kickoff. And if the Spirit's descent led to folks getting saved or sharing a testimony, there went the first half. Inconvenient. (laughs) And sometimes I think scary. Maybe some of us have had um, experiences where supposedly the Holy Spirit was poured out in a powerful way, but it seemed a little odd and a little strange for, for us. And we walked away scratching our heads, wondering what just happened. I have stories that I can share with you, but not today. And so we shy away from this topic. The Holy Spirit becomes like Voldemort on Harry Potter. I said it. Just don't speak about him. Let the Pentecostals have him. Thank you very much. We'll have the Father and the Son. And we just don't bring him up. But I want to suggest, I want to suggest this, that we should not be shy. We should not be afraid of the Holy Spirit. And we should actually have great expectations uh, about what he will do in our lives and our community if we invite him to be a part of it. Now, Acts chapter 2 is kind of the uh, Holy Spirit passage par excellence. And so we're going to look at that passage for a few moments as we begin today, if you want to follow along in your bulletins. Now, it says, when the day of Pentecost had come. So, you know, at one point I kind of thought Pentecost was a thing that Christians had come up with. But apparently this was already a thing when before the early church even begins to really be fully formed. And uh, so I looked into it and what Pentecost was, it was a uh, Jewish festival that was celebrated 50 days after Passover, which was, of course, the big annual celebration of God's liberation of his people from Egypt. And it also was known to be the anniversary of the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. So already in the very idea of Pentecost, there's a significant connection to an event where God revealed something of himself in such a way that a new community of people were formed who would live out his purposes in the world. In the Old Testament, that was in Exodus when God gave the law to his people so that they could have a way to live and so shine as a light in the world as a unique people called out by God who he would use to bless the nations. Now, we read on. They were all together in one place and suddenly from heaven... There came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now imagine uh, the scene. 
Jesus had, um, before, just before ascending back to the Father, told his disciples, um, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Then he goes and he's with the Father. And so imagine the scene. They're sitting around, and uh, maybe it's a drizzly uh, Saturday morning, and uh, Andrew's refilling coffee cups, and Peter is yawning as he takes a loaf of bread out of the oven for breakfast, and uh, John is flipping through Saturday morning cartoons. And then suddenly, it sounds like Hurricane Irma is inside the house. And (laughs) suddenly there appears what appears to be uh, a tongue of fire descending upon each of them. Now, of course, in Scripture, wind and fire are associated with the divine presence that cannot be controlled, but that is given freely by God. And they must be thinking at this point, it's happening. What he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon us in power. It's happening. And now we read on. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Now, Jews from every nation speaking many different languages because, of course, in history, God's people, the Jews were scattered throughout the nations over the years. And so they took on the languages of the places that they ended up. And they're all here in Jerusalem at this time of a of, a, of an important festival. And suddenly these 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 little uh, ragamuffin followers of this Jesus guy are able to suddenly in power speak in every single language represented there and there confused and perplexed it would be like uh, all of us who those of us who speak only english uh going out to disney one day and then suddenly being able to talk to every single language represented there that day about jesus okay that's what's happening here and some of them are perplexed and they're they're moving in and they want to hear more because this is obviously god is doing something powerful and some of them are like these guys are hammered (laughs) they have been drinking wine and peter of course says no they're not drunk first of all it's only nine in the morning and it's not saint patrick's day they are not drunk they're filled with the holy spirit and then he says listen listen fellow jews this is exactly what our prophet that we all know so well joel was talking about when he spoke the word of God and said in the last days, God would pour out his spirit on men and women alike and people would prophesy and have visions and dreams. This is what's happening. You see, the Pentecost event, it begins uh, the era of God's church being formed, a new community of people being formed and opening the message of the gospel uh, to people of every nation and not this time not this time by receiving the law but this time by receiving the very spirit of god and christianity um, began to spread rapidly throughout the ancient world in a movement of great power and extraordinary deeds and it began to grow and grow and grow and grow and spread and spread like wildfire and then you and i we have to look around today at our society and say what happened? What happened? I want to read you just a few statistics. 
Um, these are statistics of global Anglicanism. So, of course, the Anglican communion of which we are a part. Um, these are specific, the statistics that are specific to the Anglican uh, churches throughout the world. Um, in Africa, in 1970, there were um, about just uh, almost 8 million Anglicans, 7,700 uh, 7,700,000 Anglicans. In 2010, 40 years later, there was 50,398,000 Anglican Christians, about seven times the amount. Holy Spirit outpouring at work. In Asia in 1970, of course, numbers smaller, being in a country where, it, where Christianity is suppressed, um, 361,000 people in 1970 were Anglican Christians, and in 2010, 855,000, so over double the amount in 40 years. In North America, in 1970, there were about 4,395,000 Anglican Christians. In 2010, there were 2,527,000, about half the amount Friends, we in this country have a problem. We have a Holy Spirit deficiency. And if you talk to our African brothers and sisters who are leading churches over there, they are seeing the power of the Holy Spirit at work, saving lives, bringing people to Jesus, healing people. It is amazing. Now, I don't know about you, but I want Good Shepherd to be a place that changes that statistic. Uh, because of the work of the Holy Spirit among us in our midst, and I don't mean that I just want to make Anglican stats look better. Of course, we want to make it, of course we want to make good Anglicans, but we want to make followers of Jesus, and we can't do that without the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our midst. <clears throat> this is why it's important that we talk about uh, this sometimes hidden and forgotten about person of the Holy Trinity, the Holy Spirit, because there's more to the Christian life than we are currently experiencing. There's more to the Christian life than we are currently experiencing. Now, that raises the question, why Why don't we experience more than we do? And uh, I want to suggest a couple of reasons. Um, one is this. We fear that it will be strange, weird, and scary. Strange, weird, or scary. But there's nothing eerie or strange or weird about the Holy Spirit. You see, because the Holy Spirit is simply the essence of Jesus himself imparted to believers. The Holy Spirit is the essence of Jesus imparted to believers. You see, we read through the Gospels and we admire the love and the compassion and the mercy and the honesty and the power with which Jesus operates. Do we not want that for ourselves? That is what Jesus gives us in sending the Holy Spirit. Now, um, sometimes the manifestation is visible and sometimes overwhelming and powerful like it is in Acts. And we should not be afraid of that. God would never do anything uh, that it was not for our good when he pours out his Holy Spirit. We shouldn't be afraid of that. But on the other hand, oftentimes um, the Holy Spirit is manifest in a, a quiet but strong sense of direction in life. Uh, a strong urge to make one decision over another. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is manifest in that kind of quiet but strong voice inside of us, restraining us from some self-destructive behavior that we are thinking about indulging in. Sometimes uh, the Holy Spirit gives us a word of wisdom so that we can speak about the Lord Jesus Christ to someone in a particular way that they need to hear about him, right? Sometimes the Holy Spirit prompts us to pray for someone and gives us the words that we don't have on our own. 
There are manifold ways that the Holy Spirit is manifest in our lives. Now, here's the second one, and this is uh, harder. The reason that we don't experience more of the Holy Spirit is that there's things in our life hindering the work of the Holy Spirit. There are sins that we are clinging to, and um, maybe you think, well, you know, I don't really struggle with those big things like lust or pride or gluttony or drunkenness or anger or hatred or anything like that. But what about self-sufficiency? What about, um, what about self-sufficiency, relying only on yourself uh, and not on the power of God to live your life each day? You see, that makes uh, self-sufficiency, complete self-sufficiency, makes depending on the power of God impossible, right? Because we're focused all on what we can do in our own abilities. Now, what about this? What about our need for power and recognition? What about our need for power and recognition? We try to make ourselves look better and smarter than we actually are because we want to feel powerful. We want to be recognized by people. If we're doing that, it means that we're trying to form an identity for ourselves apart from Jesus Christ. That means we're not satisfied with the identity that he has given us, that he is our perfection, he is our peace. We're trying to find it and building it in other things. Now, here's another, this is a big one uh, for some of us, keeping God at a safe distance. What about that? Are we keeping, trying to keep God at a safe distance from us? We, we, we like the things that we hear about God and we like going to church and things like that and we're good with that. But we're actually, if we're honest, we're kind of keeping God in a box in our lives. We don't really, we're, we're afraid of him unleashing his power and actually being in control. You see, when we refuse to be vulnerable before him, we can hinder the work of his spirit in our lives, right? We have to be open. We have to be intentional about being open to him. And we keep um, hindering his work because we keep telling ourselves that things are just fine without him. Man, are we silly? Man, C.S. Lewis says it like this. He says, we're like ignorant children who want to go making mud pies. We want to go on making mud pies in a slum because we can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a vacation at sea. Wow. Friends, what is it that God is calling you? What is it that God is calling me to let go of so that he can give us more of himself? I was, uh, I've been thinking about this a lot lately in my own life, and I was reading some words uh, from an old pastor from the uh, early 20th century, and I was very, very challenged by his words, and I want to read them to you. He was uh, preaching this in a sermon. He said, um, I ask you, do you want him to be Lord of your life? That you want his benefits, I know, I take that for granted, but do you want to be possessed by him? Do you want to hand the keys of your soul over to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, from now on, I don't even have a key to my own house. I come and go as you tell me. Complete surrender. Now, here's the third thing. This is crucial. One of the reasons we don't experience more of the Holy Spirit is that we actually lack the confidence that God wants to give us. His Holy Spirit. We lack the confidence that God wants to give us His Holy Spirit. You see, you have to be absolutely sure that it's for you. You have to be sure that it is a part of God's plan for you. You see, the Holy Spirit is not an add-on like uh, choosing to get the custom rims on the car when you buy a new car. He's not an add-on like that. The Holy Spirit walking in the power of the Spirit is part and parcel of being a disciple of Jesus. And if you lack confidence... In that, you won't believe that he's standing at the door of your life, knocking, eager to be let in, to breathe his spirit on your life. We um, often go to uh, Winter Garden on the weekends. 
and a quite lovely, quaint little downtown area. And uh, there's this window with a little train set in it. Uh, you've maybe noticed it in a little carnival set, little toy carnival set, and you can activate it with, from a sensor outside. And, you know, we're like children standing at that window wishing we could get in there and get our hands on that train set and just play with it. And we don't realize that we actually own the store. That is what our relationship with the Holy Spirit is like. Now, that begs the question, how do you get the Holy Spirit or how do you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, you don't need to beg for it. You don't need to plead for it. And here's why. Because when Jesus shed his blood for your sins, he also purchased the Holy Spirit for you. Because he made you righteous in God's eyes, something that you weren't able to do and made you capable of allowing God's spirit to fully indwell you. Amazing. You see, the gospel is about forgiveness of sins, but it's also about God making us able to walk in the power of God, to have intimate fellowship with him because Jesus has cleansed us of any impurity that would hinder that from happening. The question is, will we receive that promise and live into it? You see, the cross, this is why this happens in Scripture after the death and resurrection of Jesus, because the cross is this turning point in history, in the history of God's people. The cross is a turning point um, for how God's people can relate to him, right? This is an entirely new, unprecedented way that God's people are relating to him in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, all of the distance is bridged. All of the distance between creature and creator is bridged because of what Jesus has done. Remember a couple weeks ago, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. And that is because of what he has done for us. You see, God wants us to desire his work in every part of our lives. And he wants us to ask He wants us to ask for the Holy Spirit. Jesus is telling a parable in Luke chapter 11 to some uh, people who are listening to him. And he says, "Uh, you, though you are sinful, you know how to give good gifts to your children when they ask you for them. He says, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What an amazing promise. Now. There's, uh, I want to suggest just today, there's four things. There's many things, but there's, there's at least four things that you'll experience when you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's four things. And the first is this victory over sin. St. Paul writes uh, to the church in Rome. If you live according to the sinful nature, you will die, right? He says, there's no life in that. It's going to lead to death. If you live your life following the desires of your sinful nature. But he says, if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The spirit is life giving the spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us out of our sin sickness. He heals it. He helps us to do battle against those things in us that pull us back into the darkness. And he enables our freedom from that when we walk in his power. Number two, uh, you will experience a more robust prayer life. With the Holy Spirit, you will experience a more robust prayer life. Paul says later um, in our passage that we just heard from today, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know how to pray as we ought. Amen. We do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. You see, when you're walking in the spirit, the spirit is in you uh, praying to the father, praying in ways that you're not even aware of. 
enabling your prayer life to grow, empowering us into deeper intimacy with the Lord in our prayer lives. Now, here's the third thing. This is a big one. The Holy Spirit, um, and we learned this from the gospel passage today. The Holy Spirit enables us to testify about Jesus. The Holy Spirit enables us to testify, to talk about Jesus, that is to be a witness on his behalf, to speak about him openly. Jesus said to his disciples, when the advocate comes, that's his way of talking about the Holy Spirit. It means helper, somebody who empowers you and comes alongside you. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify. You see, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he takes the very truth of God and he brings it and manifests it in the world. And Jesus says, you, that is us, we are to be the ones, the vessels of that testimony, that witness. We are to be the medium through which God's Holy Spirit brings his truth to other people. What a privilege. Now, here's a challenging question. Can you briefly tell someone how you came to faith in Jesus? Can you articulate why you believe that he is Lord and God? Are you willing to, even if you know other people might think that you're stupid and ignorant and benighted and old and and silly and old school and superstitious, are you willing? You see, the Spirit, walking in the power of the Spirit, gives us courage to do these things. Lastly, number four, and this is the most important one, you will experience confidence in your identity as a child of God. Paul says this, all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You see, you have to have that first. You have to have that confidence that you are a beloved child of God, adopted in his family because of what Jesus Christ did for you. You see, to walk in the power of God, you first have to know with absolute confidence that what he has done for you is because of his great love and his desire to call you a beloved child. Everything else flows from that. See, Jesus died to forgive our sins, right? We all we all acknowledge that, right? He died to cleanse us of our sins, but it doesn't end there because that forgiveness, that cleansing, it makes us a fit dwelling place for the presence of God, for the presence of the creator God. Um, you know, the, there was a uh, house in my neighborhood that was just the dump. It had just been re- very neglected by the tenants, and I think they had been evicted, and it kind of sat there um, for a while, just derelict. And uh, then somebody came in and bought it and completely remodeled it. They came in, they gutted the entire house, got everything out of it, cleaned up the yard, planted some nice palm trees, painted everything, new roof, new doors, windows, everything, completely remodeled it. And now it's beautiful, and it's able to be inhabited. That's what the cross of Jesus does for us. See, we are messy and we are sinful and we are broken down and we are derelict. And despite our resistance and our rebellion and our attempt to ignore his voice, God came in on a rescue mission to restore us to relationship with himself. What a merciful, 
amazing God we have. And friends, not only did he clean up the house, he wants to move in. He wants to move in. You see, when we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, there will be personal transformation in our, in our individual lives. Our individual lives will change on significant levels. But a community will also be formed. Because when God sends his Holy Spirit, he forms communities communities. That is what the Pentecost event is about. And friends, the Pentecost event has not died. It has not flickered out. God is still looking to form joyfully obedient communities who will live in complete dependence on him. You know, I believe that God is uh, calling us at this new place, this brand new place in our journey, this brand new place in our mission, this brand new uh, time for us as a church to fall in complete Submission and surrender to him to ask him what his will is for this place and to be completely dependent on his power to be risky to be bold in looking forward to our future and to be committed to joining in his rescue operation of humanity. That is our privilege. You see the Holy Spirit is God's offer uh, to us to walk with the presence and power of Jesus in our daily lives. If you take one thing away from today, it's that the Holy Spirit is God's gift to us that makes us able to walk in the presence and the power of Jesus in our everyday lives. And this is something maybe some of you need to consider prayerfully for the very first time. God will not hold himself back from those who seek him. Proverbs uh, chapter 8, verse 17 says this, I love those who love me, and those who seek me will find me. What a dangerous and exciting promise to believe. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we affirm every week in the creed that we say that the Holy Spirit proceeds from you towards us. Help us to believe that and to know how to receive that power from on high in our everyday lives. And as a community in this uh, very new place, we want to hear your voice and to follow it because we can't do anything apart from you. So send your Holy Spirit into our lives and form the community here in Maitland, Florida, that you want to use for your good purposes. In Jesus' name, amen.